Hello, and welcome to the How Fitting Podcast, where you get to hear from independent fashion designers and entrepreneurs about how they grow their business, making clothes that fit their customer and values. I'm your host, Allison Haynes. Today, I'm joined by Jessica Connick of Mount Indigo. So Jessica, welcome to the show. Hey, Allison. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be on the show. Thanks for coming. So I know you wear many hats in the fashion industry. And for those who are just meeting you for the first time, could you share a little bit about who you are and what you do? Sure. So yeah, I'm I in a few different spaces in the fashion industry, which I love all the different perspectives. Um, my day job is working in marketing and public relations for a national women's fashion brand based here in St. Louis called Soft Surroundings. And, um, and then I also volunteer on the board for Fashion Group International. We have a St. Louis chapter. So I'm currently the regional director of our um, St. Louis chapter of Fashion Group International, which is just so fun. It's really tapped me into the local fashion industry and I get to meet so many amazing uh, people in fashion, entrepreneurs, other people from other corporate companies that I wouldn't have really crossed paths with before. And that's how I got to meet you, Allison. So Mm -hmm. um, I always love it when FGI brings me together with other people. And then I also started my own little brand called Mount Indigo that really just, you know, helps serve this this urgent side of me to really promote sustainable fashion in the industry. And I really wanted to kind of have my hands in that, um, you know, from the ground up. So I recently launched that little brand on my own as well. So it kind of gives me a different a perspective from the corporate side, the nonprofit and fashion community side. And then as this like little down and dirty startup on my own. Awesome. And so I really want to dive into more of your Mount Indigo side of things today. Um, So you launched Mount Indigo officially last year in 2019, right? I did. I haven't actually announced the birthday yet. I think we're going to do a fun little birthday celebration um, at the end of July, but it, it's been about a year since I officially launched it. Amazing. Cool. So what you mentioned a little bit that you wanted to start that to promote sustainable fashion, but was there a particular like instance or, or something that came up that really made you say, I need to start this brand and like, this is why, like what, what kind of made you start that in the first place? Yeah. So I didn't go to fashion school. Um, so I didn't go through a lot of the classes that probably teach about sourcing and sustainability that a lot of, uh, people did in fashion. I went to business school and got into the marketing and PR side of things um, for my day job. And so a couple of years ago, before sustainable fashion was as, as popular as it has now become, which I'm so glad it's a bigger topic now, but um, I just stumbled on this documentary called The True Cost and it goes into the true cost of fashion. It talks about the problems behind fast fashion and cheap fashion and how our clothes are made and talks about, um, you know, the dyes in our clothes, the materials in our clothes, even goes into really in depth on like agricultural um, aspects of the fashion industry, like cotton. And it really got my, my wheels turning and 
and just opened my eyes to not only the fact that I had been a huge part of the problem with fast fashion, because I used to always love going and buying a bunch of cheap clothes and saying like, oh, I got 10 things instead of one thing that was really expensive. And, you know, not really, I didn't really care about like labels and designers and um, in the past, you know, so I didn't really care about getting a big ticket item. I, it was like the more the merrier for me. And um, so I realized that I not only had been part of the problem because cheap, quick fashion, you know, is a huge reason why the industry has become unsustainable and why the people making our clothes are not paid anything because we as the consumer, you know, expect to pay nothing for the clothes. And there's so many middlemen, you know, in the, in the middle taking all that money that um, it has just really driven the industry into a bad place. Um, so I saw that, but then I also saw from the environmental side of it, you know, I've always loved the environment and protecting it and gotten made of, made fun of for being like, the ultimate like recycler and um, my mom's a scientist so she she that probably comes from her you know um, love of the earth and um, so I but I never thought that I could connect those two things like this frivolous career in fashion and then this love of like protecting the planet and recycling so when I saw that documentary, it really clicked with me that like my mission and like my calling was going to be to promote sustainability in the fashion industry. And since fashion is one of the worst polluting industries in the world, I knew that obviously if we can turn that around, then it will make a huge impact. Um, so it kind of just set me on this path to promoting sustainability. I try to promote it a lot within my job at Soft Surroundings because I know that will make a big impact, um, you know, from a big national brand perspective. And then I also just really wanted to dig in on my own and promote it with my own little brand. Um, so my whole brand is the purpose of it is spreading awareness about sustainable fashion. Awesome. That's such a cool story that I, I feel like a lot of people watch documentaries or they learn the facts, but then they kind of stop there or they think they still don't know enough to do anything. Um, but you like took it the step further and you're like, okay, like not only do I realize there's a problem now, but like I need to do something about it. So that's really cool. How you jumped right in and were like, I'm going to do this. Um, so what was kind of the original vision for the brand um, based on that mission? And, and knowing a little bit of your story, I know kind of what it looked like, you know, in the physical garments kind of evolved as you started working on this. So can you share a little bit about that journey? Yes. And I love that you and I have been chatting since I even just wanted to start a brand because it like every time we talked, I probably was coming at you with like a whole different, you know, version of what the business was going to be. So I definitely went through that process of trying to figure out what I feasibly could do and what I wanted the, the brand and the collection to look like. Um, and I really, you know, at the time I was traveling a lot for work and I loved traveling and I, and I thought that one of the side effects, if you might want to call it of traveling is, um, you know, getting out of your bubble, learning about the world around you and hopefully caring a little bit more about, the world around you, um, mm -hmm. which of course, if you're caring about sustainability and the environment, you probably care about, you know, the world around you. And um, so I was like, that was such a great tie-in. I really want to do a travel 
themed brand, um, you know, that ties into all of that and exploring the world and loving it um, and wanting it to be more sustainable. And so I had this idea of doing capsule collections where, because yeah, I knew I had to do something like on a small scale. I didn't have much money. I didn't have much free time. Um, so I was like, I'll just do little capsule collections of like what you would pack in your suitcase to go to different travel destinations. So like one of my favorite trips was to, um, gosh, I'm trying to think of the lake in that is in like California, Lake Tahoe. I was like my first collection, I want to launch it in like during the winter and it'll be like a trip to like Tahoe. So it might have like a sweater, a pair of pants, you know, like small and basic. And so I, um, I went to market, I went to magic, the market in Vegas. And luckily I had friends already going from work. So I got to like bum a hotel off them and hang out with them. And like they were going to market for work and I was going to market to explore all the vendors there um, and then also the sourcing side there so I quickly learned that even though at my day job we produce huge collections like every season it was gonna be a lot harder and more expensive for me to do on my own especially since I do not have a design background you know I could like tell you a cute idea that I had, but at the end of the day, you know, I've never done a tech pack. I don't know even where to start with so much of that. Um, you know, so not having that background and then also realizing I would want to do super small batch, um, item, you know, it just quickly, quickly became clear to me that I did not have the time or the resources to create these whole collections from scratch. Um, so I was trying to figure out what to do. Yes. Yeah. I always buy off more than I can chew. And this time, like normally that just means for me, like pulling all nighters. But I realized really quickly that I just really could not handle this idea that I had, but I wanted to do something. And, um, and through all this travel for work, I realized I had been wearing this used Gap denim jacket that I bought here in St. Louis at a really amazing resale shop called The Vault Luxury Resale. And, um, and I had discovered after buying this denim jacket, like I'd been wearing it everywhere. I'd been wearing it on all my trips. I like discovered that it had these amazing interior pockets on the inside that I didn't realize before that were big enough to hold like my giant cell phone and my keys and my wallet. And it just made this jacket even like more amazing. And then I realized, Oh, like a lot of most denim jackets have these pockets. And, um, and you know, right around that time, like statement tees were really big, like tees with words on them, you know, making statements mm -hmm. that were either funny or political or standing up for a cause. Um, and then I started seeing a lot of like statement jackets where there was like, um, words print on the backs of jackets. And at the same time, I actually also was really into jumpsuits and I still am, but I originally was going to take, um, like air force, like army green jumpsuits and print statements on the back. So I bought like online, all these, um, dead stock, like unused, um, army jackets and, or like, uh, not army jackets, um, like flight suits and stuff. And I had this whole ordeal with getting all these like really crappy flight suits where I realized like, I'm probably not even going to wear these. And if I wouldn't wear them, especially with something printed on the back, then like the average person's not. And so that was, that was a little blip where I did not go down that road either. But then I was like, Oh, I can like print stuff on the back of denim jackets. And like, everyone wears denim jackets. They're so 
basic, you know, you don't like every, every type of fashion, you know, style, like can involve a denim jacket. It's a very safe mm -hmm. item to wear, but then you can also have something on the back where, whether it's like some, um, something artistic or something written. And it's this like really easy, attainable way of making like a fashion statement and like saying, like wearing your values or wearing just something fun, but not being afraid that it's like, oh, I can't wear that. Like, that's not me. You know, it's a mm -hmm. denim jacket. Um, so I was like, oh my gosh, denim jackets are like a blank canvas. Um, and denim, you know, to produce denim, there's not, it's a lot harder to produce um, denim than it is to produce a lot of other garments, which you would know that better than me. But I realized that when I was sourcing that, um, that like to get denim made from scratch, especially sustainably would be a huge mm -hmm. undertaking. And then, but then it hit me, like I bought this denim jacket used and um it's gap you know everyone knows gap and then like everyone knows levi's and i can just buy gap and levi's used denim jackets which clearly is promoting sustainability and then print fun sassy sustainable statements on the back and like paint artwork on the back deck them out with patches and spikes and all these things um and like have this endless supply of used denim jackets. Um, so you don't have to worry about this, the design side as much, but I can lean into what I specialize in more, which is like the marketing side and like spreading awareness for a message and um, all that. So I, I did that. And this past year has really been kind of like a soft launch of doing pop-ups and getting people's opinions. Um, and just, you know, even within that, final kind of business model, figuring out my way still and how I want to like launch it, um, in a bigger way, hopefully this year. Awesome. Yeah. In denim, like you said, it's such a, to, to produce it raw is, is hard to make it sustainably, but especially in the last couple years, resale has just exploded and the, and like high quality denim vintage pieces, you know, used denim retains its its value for a very long time. Like I, I feel like almost you know, vintage denim is worth more, to, you know, people are willing to buy them at a higher price than new denim often. And so that's right. really, that's it, like everything kind of came together for you there. It looks like where it's it did. Like the Thank perfect God. time for I, all of it. I was a lost soul with a mission for there for a little while, but yeah, it's so funny. You know, it's, it is like that, you know, not only is resale, like you said, getting so popular and thrift is now cool. It's not, you know, considered like taboo, mm -hmm. but it's like that one item, not, you know, that actually does increase in value, like used a used, Levi's jacket is like so much cooler than a brand new Levi's jacket and something that I've realized at all my pop-ups because I get to have that that one-on-one -on -one interaction with people in person yeah. is that they get so excited about the fact that the denim's already worn in and soft they're like oh my gosh it's like a worn in denim jacket like even better so it's mm -hmm. um it's like all these positives that I didn't even realize that they would get so excited about like some people that shop for me online will ask me to feel all the ones that I have in their size and send them the softest one, like the most worn in one. And I'm like, that's okay. amazing. Yeah. So that's such a cool, um, aspect of it. So I'm thankful that I had bought my own used denim jacket and like finally landed on that as, um, 
kind of a go-to-market strategy. Yeah. So it sounds like you got like feedback, like not only kind of from your own realizing what was possible or not possible or where, what direction you wanted to go, but that you got a lot of feedback from, you mentioned pop-ups or um, other places. So what, where did you kind of reach out? Like, was that kind of strategically you were getting customer feedback or was it just kind of happening organically and kind of where did you go to get that initial feedback? Yeah, it's kind of happened organically, but I need to definitely now like seek out good feedback because I have a lot of designer friends that I give feedback to also. And it's, I think we keep each other in check because we're so close to our own business. It's sometimes hard to realize the things that we really easily point out to each other Mm -hmm. uh, about each other's businesses. So yeah, so I just started doing pop-ups really as like, um, testing the market out to see if, if my business was even something, my product was even something people would be interested in. And then just having those conversations with people, um, at these events was amazing. Like, I think one of my biggest takeaways was clearly we all know that the younger generations are more interested in sustainable fashion than the older generations, but something that was like a huge, eye-opener to me was that a lot of adults would tell me that their children that were like in high school and college literally only shopped used clothes or only shopped sustainable. Like some of them were legitimately rebelling against fast fashion by like only shopping sustainable, only shopping used as opposed to, um, you know, I'm in my mid thirties. So it's like people in their like mid twenties to mid forties might say, Oh, I'm, I'm trying to shop more sustainably. And we might do a few things here and there to shop more sustainably, but to hear that the, the Gen Z generation and some millennials even were literally like, I will only shop sustainable or I will only buy used clothes was really cool to hear and gave me hope. Um, But yeah, so going back to seeking out thoughts, um, I think another really big thing that stood out to me was, you know, even when you launch your brand or even like how I felt was like, I specialize in marketing and PR, but it was really hard for me to really wrap my head around even the best way to streamline telling my story or like my story in a nutshell or, you know, getting my like elevator pitch down for my brand. Um, so the thing that was really interesting to me is like when I was talking to other people about my brand and still to this day, when they repeat back to me, what stands out to them or what really resonates with them, it's like that key takeaway to me of like, Ooh, that should be something that I should focus on. Cause obviously that's something that other people, um, are resonating to like whatever, whatever they said that the brand was, um, sparking in them or like parts of the story that they were most interested in. So I definitely think it's like, I need to make sure to, and we all, you know, any of us that have brands is to keep talking with customers and other brand owners and marketers so that we can like help each other refine our own um, stories and like how we, how we show our brands to other people. Cause it's really hard when you're so close to it to like explain it to other people or, you know, obviously I'm still struggling like right now, you know, just Mm -hmm. like finding what resonates with people. Um, And then it's also about, you know, who you're talking to, like you have to shape what you're leaning in towards what you're focusing on 
in your brand story with like who your audience is at that moment. Yeah, that's a really good point. Cause I think, yeah, a lot of us, like we have the mission, it's like so clear to us, but it's kind of, it's, it's figuring out how to make that resonate with the customer or how to communicate that like enthusiasm and that passion you have for it. Or even, you know, on the product level, like how to communicate um, what, how the product is made or what, what the features are of it. Like you said, um, learning from pop-ups about some people liked the fact that it was pre-worn in and you know, I don't think I would have just thought of that as like a marketing point, you know, to highlight in a product description or when talking to people, you know, but, you know, things like that jump out at you when, when other people say them. Totally. You realize, oh, wow, like that's, that's really cool. I might not have thought to describe it in that way, but it's totally true now that I know that's something people value about what I'm selling. Yeah. And it's a good, it's a good selling point. Like even right now I'm like, okay, I need to go on my website and add that to my product description as like a selling point. Um, And I think a lot of times myself included, but a lot of friends that I know that have brands also is like, sometimes we forget to go backwards and edit edit your product description, edit your marketing materials. Like when you find these findings, you have to go back and edit, you know, and not like not change your brand, just change how you're, um, change the wording maybe Yeah, to better better communicate your your mission really. Right. Right. And you're moving so quickly often and juggling so much that it's easy to let great advice or great ideas like fall by the wayside. So you have to make sure that you're keeping yourself in check because all I'm always keeping my friends in check that have brands and I'm like, man, I got to keep myself in check too. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes it is, like you said, you get too close to it and it's good to have the feedback from customers and peers and, and friends to kind of help you stay on the track or whatever. Definitely. Um, Awesome. So how did you decide, like once you kind of locked in that you were going to do the kind of statement tees and denim jackets, how did you decide on kind of the initial line that you were going to launch with of those? Yeah. So that was really hard because I'm really bad at like choosing things in general. Like, it's like when you go into the ice cream shop and you're like, oh my gosh, what flavor? They're all so good. And that's what I felt like I had been writing down all these random ideas for funny, I say sassy, sustainable statements. Um, You know, which ones that I want to put as final ones on the backs of my jackets. So I actually, you know... (laughs) I hate to say it. I also had like, I also have, um, some like eco-friendly t-shirts that are part of my line too. I focus on the denim jackets, but I really liked, I had so many ideas of what I wanted to put on the jackets that I ended up putting some on some t-shirts, which it's kind of hard because like t-shirts can be such a fast fashion type of thing. So they're eco-friendly blanks that I printed on, but I definitely want to focus more on jackets than tees. But I, I put some of the statements on t-shirts and then some on the backs of jackets, but I did do like a big survey with a bunch of friends and like sent around these kind of like final thoughts, um, you know, with like numbers next to them, like which ones are your favorite ones, which ones do you 
really dislike kind of thing and let um let kind of like more of like a bigger like focus group help me narrow down my final ones but i'm always thinking of different ideas for like future designs and so it is hard to kind of um narrow down what you want to go forward with mm -hmm. i'm sure though you're you're kind of marketing background helps out with that i imagine because you are more on the customer facing side and 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 less on the design side or like you're you're closer to you know what does what does the buyer want yeah than it's a lot so, of people right it's so good to be on top of the trends and it's like there's trends and then there's just like feeling you know like what like what can you like not really describe but it's like you're just feeling about the current fashion landscape or what's coming up or what people are really um like looking for and that's kind of the fun i think that's the fun part about this and why i like even just having my own tiny little brain that i have full control of is like you can jump on those things and you can make you can make it whatever you want yeah, and that's a really good point. I hadn't quite thought about like, cause I, I'll watch the fashion trends, um, runway shows and kind of the news and obviously just you both in fashion and just the world in general. And I see how they're connected, but I think there is something to be said, like you just mentioned of sometimes it's not so much a trend, it's, it's a feeling. And I can see that being really relevant, especially for what you're working on with these statements is it's maybe less about like, Oh, puff sleeves are the fashion right now. And more about what, how does this word or phrase or slogan resonate? Like what's the feeling that it gives people and like people connect with feelings. So that's a really so good point. True. And they say that, you know, that fashion purchases really are like emotional purchases because it's not like any of us really need more clothes. Mm -hmm. um, so that that is, is really exciting to me because it's almost like a science. And the fact that you're because I come from a business background, but with like a creative side and I love that fashion and trying to make a brand successful really is a combination of this like science of business and creativity together mm -hmm. um and that's what's so exciting to me whether you're like succeeding or failing it's really digging in and figuring out why yeah no i'm all about that i mean you, you know me i'm more on the the number technical side of fashion and so yeah i'm always looking at the data or the numbers and 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 analyzing that and applying it to the creative side but i'm i i'm definitely coming at it from that more analytical side of things which is fun for me so yeah but it's fun to combine them together mm -hmm. yeah it definitely is that's what i like about this industry is it's kind of a, it's a combination of both Totally. Um, awesome. So what has, and you touched on this a little bit, but already, but what has your journey looked like kind of since you've launched? Like, have, did you have the one launch and you're still like on the same designs? Have you launched multiple kind of releases? Kind of what, what has the journey looked like since, I guess, a year ago when you, when you launched? 
Yeah. So it's been, it's been lots of like ups and downs. And it's so funny because I have a friend who has a really successful fashion business. And she said that every day is like a roller coaster, you know, for mm-hmm. a fashion entrepreneur, probably any entrepreneur. And, um, especially this year. Yes. Oh my gosh. I know. And, um, and it really has felt like that. And I think it's partly because I was, I'm still, you know, figuring the business out partly because I am juggling it with like a day job that got really intense this year, even like before COVID. And then, you know, this volunteer position with FGI that I love, but it's like, I owe things to other people for that. I owe things to other people for my day job. I owe things to other people for my family. And so I always feel like I put you know, Mount Indigo is like my, my little thing. And so I did feel like sometimes I would like neglect her, but then it was like those pop-up events that I would do really kept me on track. Um, if I knew I had an event coming up and then would get me excited about things. So, um, so yeah, it was really like ups and downs of like, of making a bunch of sales and then not making any sales or like having a really good event like pop-up event and then not ha- then having a bad event. Um, and then kind of figuring out, yeah, what I wanted to do next with it. And like you said, you know, how many collections have I had really until a few days ago, I had the exact same collection all year as like this launch collection. But I know, um, I have like a new design that is going to be ready any day for me to pick up from my printer where I get jackets printed. Um, and then I started painting on my own some, um, you know, some, some like artwork on jackets. And I've been doing, like, I, I did a couple one-off like jackets with like spikes and patches and things like that. So really trying to figure out what I want um, the next collections to look like. And I think I'm going to start doing like, you know, limited edition um, designs where I only have like a certain amount of them for a certain amount of time. So I can keep new ones coming, but it's like still maintaining that like slow fashion, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, aspect of it. So I'm trying to figure all that out. So I'm, I'm starting to launch new designs. Um, and I might do other fun things. Like I want to make some other types of products, um, and weave those in, but it's like all still on kind of just like a small batch scale, just because of like my time and resources right now. Mm-hmm. But, but I like that I've gone really slow with it because I've been feeling out the industry and what I want to do. And again, not moving too quickly or like going broke, you know, like I really, and I have allowed myself to do that because I, you know, have a, a a day job and, um, so I'm not like relying on this to like pay my bills, but it's, I do like that. I, even though sometimes I feel like I'm moving really slow, especially compared to other people I know that have launched like 10 new collections since I started even talking about what I want to do with this one. Um, you know, it seems like I'm moving like a, a snail's pace, but it has really allowed me to kind of, um, figure out, you know, in a responsible way, what I want to do each step of the way with the business. And like going back to that kind of like just feeling the vibe of the industry, um, what I want to do with it and what people are like, what, what the demand is right now. Yeah. And I think that's really smart, just both from a business perspective and from a sustainability perspective, because, you know, it's not going to be sustainable if 
you kind of like go all in on this big collection that's been kind of unvetted by um, the consumer and then you have like a whole bunch of excess inventory and you realized you should have done, you know, something else would have resonated better. And so it's being slow and doing it, like testing the market in small batches, I, I think is a sustainable way to, you know, work on the business and grow it um, to make sure it's, you're there for the long term as a brand and also that you're not creating excess product along the way. So I think that's really smart. I wouldn't feel bad for doing doing things the slow way. Yeah. And I'm like, it's so nice because now that I'm my main product is, you know, upcycling used denim jackets, I can just buy as many as I need at a time. So if I need if I need 10 more or 20 more, I just buy what I need. I don't have to buy like 500 of them. Um, my husband would kill me if I took up any more space <laughs> in the house for my craft rooms and studios and storage for, um, for inventory. So it's nice to be able to keep it, um, like manageable that way. Yeah, that's really cool. So in all this, like researching sustainability and everything you've learned starting Mount, in Mount Indigo, how has that um, and like all the documentaries you watched, how has that affected your personal lifestyle and buying habits? Oh, all the shopping guilt. <laughs> oh, <Yeah>. no. <laughs> like every time I see some like cute, cheap thing, I have to like, you know, guilt myself to not buy it. Um, and, you know, like it's so hard because we're, you know, I'm a visual person. I like fashion, all that. So, so it is, it, it has definitely kept me in check with the things that I buy. Um, I really like my favorite things to buy really are like online. Like I'm obsessed with, like, if you were to ask me what my favorite online store is, it's Poshmark, you know, like, so I don't feel guilty when I buy something used. Um, I try to sell as much as I can and like, you know, on Poshmark and if I don't sell it there, I'll sell it at a local shop or donate it. Um, but like I have so many clothes that I don't need. So it's like really trying to double check myself, um, with the things I own, what I buy, not letting myself just buy cheap clothes you know, crappy clothes just because they're cute and cheap. So it really does keep me in check. And then if I do want to buy something new, like appreciating the value and the like sustainability of purchasing from a brand that, that is ethical and that is sustainable. And like, I don't feel like, I feel so much better about a purchase now when I know that it's from like a local designer or a sustainable, you know, national brand or something. Uh, it makes me appreciate that a lot more, even like buying, you know, like I bought my first, like I bought a used pair of like Chanel shoes on Poshmark recently. And it made me proud to know that not only was this like such a legacy brand, um, and you and I share a friend that works for Chanel. So it's like you, like, I feel an attachment to the brand because of her, but then also knowing that like, when I maybe don't want those shoes anymore, they keep their value and it will be so easy for me to sell them. So when I think about things that I purchase now, I often think about like, 
honestly their resale value. No one's going to buy, like if I were to go into TJ Maxx and go on a shopping spree with a bunch of cute, cheap clothes, like that are no name or whatever, you know, it's when I, when I inevitably want to get rid of those clothes, it's going to be a lot harder for me to sell them. And, um, the if, little they, if they even last, though. right. If they yeah. even last. And so I do really try to sell my clothes, um, before, you know, donating them or, um, giving them away to people like never throw away clothes that drives me crazy my husband still throws clothes in the trash and i'm like how am i gonna save the world if you are if i can't even get you to recycle um but so yeah so like thinking about resale value is big for me with items too so yeah so i think a lot about my purchases more than i used to and i used to walk into places and just buy cheap clothes um without a thought and now it definitely keeps me in check to not shop that way anymore that's so cool. I've never actually thought about the resale value of clothes that I buy. Like I, I grew up buying clothes at garage sales, thrifting, um, making clothes. Um, and so that was always normal to me, but, and, and I still do it now often just because it's, it's fun and to like find, find the kind of gem, hidden gem. Um, and to, and because, you know, it is sustainable to give these clothes a longer life rather than, you know, to have them just go straight to the trash. But I've never thought about the resale value. That's a really good point of, you know, buying clothes that are well-made and will last a long time and you can care for them better. Probably one makes you care for them, you know, better because it was more expensive to buy it or, it has some story or significance or brand name that you care about attached to it. So it makes you kind of value it more and take care of it more. But then also, yeah, it's going to last longer. So you, when you're done with it, you can pass it on to somebody else. That's a really good point. Now I'm going to have to think about that more for my own life. And, and like, I hate, like I, you know, going back to the designer and the label thing, like I, I'm still not someone that's like, I don't put all my like fashion style value in that, but it's like, at least, you know, that if you bought something that is from a wanted designer or label that the re it does have resale value, um, mm -hmm. because of that. Um, so, you know, you know, especially if you're going to make like a big purchase, that's something, maybe I just do it to like justify the, the purchase to myself, but, but I know that like, if I needed to, I could turn it around and resell it, but yeah, like take care of it because it could have like multiple lives and be a value to you to sell down the road. Mm -hmm. And to that next person, like it's continuing the life for that garment. Yeah, I was talking with another designer here in St. Louis, um, Ronke, who has a, a purse line, and I love the purse I have from her. And she was saying that it would be fun to even like have the stories behind the used jackets that I sell. Like when I buy them from people, asking them like to, I don't know, have them share like a favorite memory of them wearing the jacket or, you know, like stories. Um, from previous lives of these jackets. And it's kind of cool when you think about clothes that you have, um, if you've bought them used, like the fact that they could have like really cool stories behind them or, you know, like, like meaning from the people that wore them before you. Yeah, that's really fun. 
like it, it'd probably take a bit of work, but I think that's a really cool, like I, I always connect with products that have a story behind them too, where you're not just buying the thing, you're kind of like buying into the mission or like the legacy of it or like, and then you have that story to tell other people when they're like, oh, nice jacket. And you're like, oh, I got it at this brand. And let me tell you the whole story. And it's, it's like, we connect over that too with other people and right, know, the product right. itself. And that kind of goes back to that, um, the fact that, you know, fashion is an emotional purchase because it's mm -hmm. like you wanted to feel, have a piece of that story and have a piece of that mission. And when you bought that item, like it connected you to that brand, that story, that mission in a way that you hadn't been before. And like, now you own part of it. Mm -hmm. and, and have, you know, it, I guess, works well with the sustainability because you, you kind of have that responsibility for the mission too, um, which is, you know, what we want for spreading sustainability awareness is for other people to take on that responsibility to protect the planet as well. Right. And it's so funny because like my mission with my business is to spread awareness about sustainable fashion. But I think I was almost like surprised when after I launched it, people told me, you know, after talking with you and learning about Mount Indigo, it like totally changed the way I thought about fashion. And it's so funny because it was like, that was my mission the whole time. But then I got caught up in like making products and selling products and, you know, all the dues mm -hmm. of the to do's of owning a business. And it, so it was like weird that I was almost like surprised, like pleasantly surprised when people did say, wow, like your business has really made an impact on me and my shopping habits. I was like, little old me. And then I was like, oh wait, that is like, <laughs> that was the whole point. Um, so it's cool to hear that, that it has an impact on people. Yeah. And I think clothes, really do and and that's kind of the whole theme of this podcast too is um that clothes are more than just a product that you you buy or sell but that they they express emotion they express personality they can show the values either of you as the brand but then also of the person who buys it and wears it it's like shows what you care about um and, and, you know, makes you feel a certain way about yourself, but also other people see that too and, and pick up on that, that energy and the passion that you have in that particular mission. So I think it's, it's cool to see, you know, almost like what we were talking about earlier with the balance between the creativity and the analysis. It's like, um, it, it's fun and it's, can be frivolous fashion can be and it's certainly creative but then it also can be very significant too in kind of what it says and and what it stands for it's so true and it's like we're wearing our values and mm -hmm. you know like those younger generations like see it and take it more seriously than like ever before yeah yeah and I think that's really cool that the younger generations are caring about that more and more. So I have one more question for you and you touched on it a little bit, but if you could communicate one value to the world through your clothes, what would it be? I think it would be 
caring, you know, I think that our society is, you know, we're so spoiled and we grow up in all these comforts and we basically outsource anything that's like, that we don't want to deal with, you know, even just putting our trash out on the curb, like it's trash day for me, you know, here, Tuesday is trash day. And, um, and we outsource our trash. We outsource half the, you know, a lot of people outsource like cleaning their house or we outsource our pollution when we produce overseas. Like we, we just, we have, many of us have just like the luxury of being able to outsource anything negative we outsource like even the work that goes into growing and producing our food or all these things and so it's we're not living um it's hard for us to sometimes care about what happens to our trash to care about what is happening to the people making our clothes or to care about these things that are so out of sight out of mind for us because we've grown up with just these luxuries of never even having to really think about a lot of it um and then we're, we're you know so much of our society is just kind of we're brought up to like only care about ourselves in certain ways, or like we're focusing on caring about like saving puppies, you know, and things like that, that are totally valid, but it's like, what about also like saving the planet or like caring about like the lives, literally the lives of like other women like us that are, that are physically making these clothes in other countries. Um, and it, so it's just like, you know, and of course, like, I don't, I never want my, my business to be about guilting people. Cause we could like all trade guilts all day long about like a million topics. So for me, it's more just like bringing awareness to people, just like it was brought to me when I saw that documentary of like, just once you know something like this, you know, um, you can't unknow it. So after I saw that documentary, I couldn't unknow what I had found out. Um, and you still have to do some research because a lot of documentaries and things you read or see are other people's opinions. So you have to kind of dig in there and find what are all the real facts about all this. But when you find out a, something about a certain topic, once you find out facts, you can't unknow them. Um, and so it's, then it just turns into like, do you care enough to change your personal habits or like care enough to help spread the mission to make the world better or whatever the topic is. So for me, it's just like spreading awareness so that the people that like want to care can care about this and then spread spread awareness for sustainable fashion even more so that we're all changing our habits because we care about what we found out and we want to make a positive impact. We want to, you know, to turn the industry around and we have the ability to as consumers and as fashion designers. Yeah, that's so true that it's like once you, once you see it, you know, you either have to continue to ignore it, but like there, there's some, you know, horrific things happening um, in the world and in fashion that, you know, we, we aren't okay with. And it's like, once we realize it and we realize the impact a lot of our clothes are having, it's, you know, you're going to care about it. You know, we're, we're going to, and hopefully change that, that caring and turn it into action like you have. I think that's really, that's really amazing. 
This has been such a great conversation, Jessica, and thank you so much for joining me. Well, thanks for having me. Yeah, I, I even learned more about your branded journey that I did not know, and I've known you since when you started this, so <laughs> it's been really fun to hear more about what you've learned and everything. Um, where can people find more about you and Mount Indigo online? So my website is mountindigo.com. So M-O-U-N-T-I-N-D-I-G-O.com. And then I'm on Instagram um, as Mount Indigo as well for my business. And then my personal Instagram is um, just Jessica Connick. Great. Thanks so much for joining me today. That is it for our show. Thanks for listening, everyone. I'm Allison Hannes, and I hope you join me again for the next episode of How Fitting.